Experience worship. True worship. Experience the word. Bringing you wholeness. Experience the warmth of fellowship. Experience wholeness at Lighthouse. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at the Lighthouse. House 7, Plot 2 Stroke 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. Visit our website at www.lighthousenergy.org or contact us at info at lighthousenergy.org. The Lighthouse, lighting your pathway to destiny. Say praise the Lord. So Isaiah 45 tonight, as we push on uh, into the month of June, we still do a bit of this um, analysis or these teachings in the month of June so that we can understand it. And part of it is that you and I should prepare ourselves uh, for what has come upon us. God wants us to build something for him. And he wants us to build generational wealth for him. So in Isaiah 45, uh, there, there is a picture there. And I want to just read from, um, I want to read from NLT. Um, it's verses 1 to 3. Isaiah 45, verses 1 to 3. It's a very popular scripture. And it just tells us the sovereignty of God uh, because in this particular scripture that Cyrus there is not someone who had a covenant relationship with God but it was just someone who is ready to build so he said this is what the Lord says to Cyrus so the power the empowerment of God came upon him he said he's anointed one and so it was God's initiative he said whose right hand he has empowered. He said, before him, mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be open and never to shut again. Verse 2. We're going to 3. He said, this is what the Lord says. For the sake of emphasis, the second time. He said, I will go before him and level the mountains. He said, he will smash down the greater bronze, bronze, or bronze and cut through the bars of Hion. said, And then he said, I will give him treasures hidden in the darkness. He said, secret riches. He said, I will do this so you may know that I am God, I am the Lord, the God of Israel who calls you by name. So God chose Cyrus for the season of his nation. He chose him to become a problem solver. In um, my own NLT translation, he says, Cyrus, the Lord's chosen one. He said, this is what the Lord says to Cyrus. So it's like a word uh, to Cyrus in the specific situation uh, to affect the economy of his nation. He said, this is what the Lord says to Cyrus. Is anointed one whose right hand he will empower. He said, Before him, mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. 
that their fortress gates will be open. In other words, God at this time is open, opening up secrets, riches. In other words, the secrets to wealth. God, through the instrumentality of the works of our hands, we do things that we marvel people in the marketplace. And the reason why he's doing this, he has an agenda. He said he wants to empower people through us. He says, even before us, mighty king will be paralyzed with fear. And I'm trusting that God will raise such men for our nation even at this time. That will help the present government to have a way out of the present situation. You know, there are people who are anointed. They can do economic policy. They are anointed to see businesses come to life. They are anointed to be able to see I mean, they can put index and indices together and they are able to make accurate um, um, prediction of how things are come out. He said, kings, when they see such people, they will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be open and never to shut again. Verse 2, what does he say? He said, this is what the Lord says. So, I said earlier on, the need for us to also see this season as a season of impartation. See this season as a season of preparation. Preparation on what is to come. So, when we look at our world today, money has power. You know, I've deviated because that's the instrument, instrument that we use. Money. Money helps us to do good. That's the truth. I love what uh, uh, Minister Sam said earlier on. We need money to be able to do good in our world. We need money to be able to proclaim the gospel. In Psalm 68 verse 11, he said, The Lord gave the word, but great was the company of those people who proclaim it, who spread it. Psalm 68, 11. So, God is touching our lives at this time to prepare us for the future. The future of our nation, the future of our continent. So, money will help us to do good in this world. And when we have, when we are worthy, which is another level, money gives us a measure of respect and influence. If we know someone who is very worthy, enters into this room as we are here tonight, or enter into this service, a lot of us, we will readjust. And when we say, oh, that person should speak, that everyone will have expectation. What does he want to say? So money or wealth, generally, it gives us a measure of respect and influence. Solomon, the wealthiest man who ever lived. In fact, I was looking at something today. I realized that David, hmm, one offering in a church service, gave $6 billion. And the Bible says Solomon, his son, was wealthier than him. Equivalent of $6 billion. That was what he wrote out in the service. So, if we are talking about Solomon, with all the servants and all that, how much did 
did David. So Solomon grew up in an environment of wealth. And Solomon was able to manage it. That's why he was able to be wealthier than his dad. I believe God is doing something. It's called internal reconfiguration. A lot of the time, the reason why the church has not, doesn't have the kind of influence is because we have truncated this process each time it comes. God prepares his people, and then we begin to touch resources, and our people go gaga. And the focus is on ourselves. God will not give you wealth or will not help you to generate wealth for yourself. Maybe riches. But when it comes to, that's why Jesus said, if men are not even faithful in money matters, who will commit true riches into their hands? So money has, or money helps us to do good work. The ten, um, wealth gives us a measure of respect and influence. But the temptation, which I want to talk about tonight, is we can begin. That's the way money in the natural world it does. You begin to put your trust in the influence and in the respect rather than in the living God. So tonight I titled this Eden Treasure. And the first thing I want to remind us again is that God is wealth. I didn't say God is wealthy. God is wealth. God is wealth. In other words, when we look at the creations, whether in heaven, here on the heart, under the, the heart, we can see a measure of wealth in display. When we look at people from every tongue, from every nation, we can see that always. Have you met intelligence people? There are billions of them on the planet heart. Have you met resourceful people? There are billions of them on planet heart. And they have put things together because the Bible says in Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord God is wisdom and out of his mouth comes understanding. So these people, interaction, have put things together. Every wisdom comes from God. Every knowledge and understanding comes from God. It's God who has given us power to get whatever we get on the planet out here. So God is wealth. is wealth personified. And if you can look at the resources of the whole heart too, you can see the hand of the God in it. So God is wealth. It simply suggests in 2 Chronicles 29 verses 11 and 12. 2 Chronicles 29 verses 11 and 12. Look at how um, Solomon or David puts it when he wants to describe this. 2 Chronicles 29 verses 11 and 12. I want us to read it together. 2 Chronicles 29, verses 11 and 12. Or is it 1 Chronicles? 1 Chronicles 29. Usually misquote it each time. I will always say second, but it's first. Can we read together? One, two, three, go. This was David. Dying is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in heart is yours. Thine is a kingdom 
Pasteur. I was wondering when I was hearing dying, dying. So I now looked at the transition and realized that it's actually the whole faithful. So both riches and honor comes from you. This is wealth. This is, this is wealth personified. He said, and you reign. So this is influence. This is power. But I love that last line. He said, in your hand is power and might. Those who put their trust in money, they put it in the God behind money. So they like they're going to get it through the occultic means. They are empowered by it. He said, but in your hand is it to make great. And then you give strength to all. So the temptation, as God begins to help us or launch us into this hidden treasure, because that was what he did for Cyrus, is that we must not put our trust, I need to remind you of that, in the power of wealth, but rather in the power of God. Psalm 24 again, verses 1 and 2. Quickly read to us. Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2. It said, the heart is the Lord's, this is wealth, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. The whole earth that we, we are standing, I mean, stood permanently on water. It was at his command, I say, water should move to one side. And then we have land. Because he had intention of creating creation or creature. And we are, and he now put man in charge of everything that he has actually done. In Matthew chapter 6, Verses 19 to 21. Can we read together? So our trust is not in the power of what he helps us to produce, but rather in his own power to make great, in his own power to make us become worthy in his own class. He said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on the heart. We have the month and the rust destroyed. Where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20. But lay up yourself treasures in heaven. This is where the confidence is. For neither moth nor rust destroy. Or where thieves do not break in and steal. And where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. So you can tell it. Where us as human beings, where we put our trust. If it's in our money, you can tell. If it's in our money, we begin to boast. You know, have you heard people who say, I will kill you and nobody will ask of you? Just because they have access to resources and they have access to power and influence. That's why Paul was writing. He said, charge them. Charge them. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, charge them. So you can tell where a person's heart is and that's where our money automatically goes. If I'm a gambler, that's where my money goes. If I'm a drug user, that's where my money goes. If I am a developer of men, that's where my money will go. 
where our heart is, that's where our treasure is. He said, command those who are rich in the things of this present world, not to be haughty, nor trust in certain unriches. The Bible calls certain unriches. Whatever the rich may be, if the, conf if the confidence is in those riches and not in God, it is very uncertain. Can I have an amen tonight? But in the living God. So it's not that God doesn't want us to be wealthy. In fact, his delight is that when each of us understand this truth and we are applying it and we are practicing it, his delight is that many people are wealthy. His delight is that no one goes to bed tonight hungry. His delight is that no one in any nation should be on the street. His delight is that everyone is perfectly nourished, perfectly provided for. Everyone, when they are sick, they can access because the world is broken. They can access good medical facility. Do you know that people have died in various places today, not because of, of the disease as far, but because they can't even afford the medical thing that is available. What causes disease when humanity of human beings goes down? What, why do they go down? They don't have the right living condition most of the time. The water people drink, the food they take, even the food that are available that we all eat, there's a way it's been done that it has lost its natural thing, taste, that's supposed to renew our lives as human beings as we consume them. Can I have an amen? So, in Matthew 6, it says, you can tell. You can tell. I can tell. In Mark chapter 10, we see the difference between someone who put their trust in riches and then someone who put their trust in the living God. The Bible calls that man a young rich ruler. Because he had his heart in riches, he, he failed the test. Mark 10, 21. And if you looked at it, it wasn't that Jesus was saying to this young man that, oh, what we ha you have, I want it all. No. The Bible says what the lesson there is that Jesus was getting this man to put his total trust in the living God. The man had something. But the Bible says he wasn't ready. He, was, he went away sorrowful because riches had had him. Praise God. I said, praise the Lord. You know, I, I said this, I think I had um, Minister Sam talking about it. The church hasn't done enough preaching about money from the pulpit. That's the truth. That's the truth. And so, many of us, many of our believers, when they now have the opportunity to get, because they were not informed, it leads to, it depends on how individual is able to manage themselves. What the church has been good at, at doing is that when we, we just give people motivation to be able to give into ministry projects. But the subject of money is what you and I must grasp. There is mammon behind money. There is a spirit behind money. Even in the natural, they teach in seminars. They say money is a force. Money attracts. Money repels. They say individual can repel money. So we must understand that money is a spiritual thing. I've said it in the past teachings. 
It is a spiritual experience. And so you must understand how it works in our world. So one of the blessings that this um, series will do for us is to also prepare our heart to develop capacity. A lot of people, their motivation to, is just to be able to pay their bills. Your motivation should go beyond that. Your motivation is to be, you become a source of blessing. Can I expand your mind a little bit tonight? You become wealthy that you can sponsor research that will bring the cure for cancer. I listened to a small clip this week. You know, it was very instructive for me. And the man was saying there that he's a very wealthy man, at least in the natural standard. That he doesn't have a holiday home anywhere in the world. He said, but those who work for me, they do have holiday homes. He said, but those holiday homes are liability. He said, because they are working for me here. And it was very instructive for me. I've listened to him a couple of times on different subject matter when it comes to the subject of money. And it's just, his, his value is completely different from those who are trying to break through. Yeah, I know. I know money is a defense. I'm not going to argue that. I've said it. But the Bible says the excellence of knowledge is that there is wisdom for those who have it. So we haven't. But see, our conviction with this series is Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 12. When we are faithful in the unrighteous moment, true words can be delivered to us. Our trust is not in riches. Our trust is not in money, but in the living God. So getting money is not the problem, but is where we put our trust. That's where this is the problem for everyone. Let me give you some of our Petra testimony. Isaac in Genesis 26, 16. So you know that God wants us to be wealthy. In Genesis 26, 16, the man grew. His business grew to the fact that the whole nation asked him to leave. He said, the king came to him. He said, go away from us. For you are much mightier than we. Can you, can you see the difference? So, a whole country came to the parliament and said to an individual, Let's make a decree. This man should go away for all because he's mightier than our whole country put together. It means Isaac's business grew to the point that he surpasses the GDP and GNP of his nation as at that time. But if you look at the life of Isaac, his trust, his confidence was in the Lord. In that same Genesis 16, if you read verse 1, the Bible says that he prayed and then Lord, the Lord says, no go, don't migrate. He says, this family, even though it's different from the days of Abraham, as a matter of fact, the family wiped up what Abraham bequeathed unto him, 
But he prayed, and the Lord asked him to stay where he was. And the Bible recorded that in that same year, this man business boomed because he was a covenant man. So God wants us to be wealthy. That's not the question here tonight. Abraham, too, in Abraham, in Genesis chapter 30, verse 43. Genesis chapter 30, verse 43. There was a testimony. He said, The man became exceedingly prosperous. I don't speak English too much. So even say the man became prosperous, that, I think that's good enough. But the Bible says exceedingly prosperous. So it's a, it's a level of wealth. And the man, the man had large flocks. To say that the man had flocks is also okay. But he had large stock to be able to, you can classify the kind of flocks that he had. Male, female, Male, male servants, camels, donkeys. It, it was a wealthy man. But if you look at his life, he was also a covenant man. So his confidence, an idol worshiper was taken away from his land. And God, just like he told Cyrus, it, God empowered him to the point that he had more than enough that the whole nation can come to him as an individual. What about David? In 1 Samuel 16, 1, he's our patriarch. And you know, the way, the way my own mind is working, even as we go through this series, whatever we see in the scripture that is written, it is possible for us. As a matter of fact, it's the minimum. Because we have seen it. And God in our own dispensation is able. This has nothing to do with, and that's why he's preparing and tilting our heart. It's not covetousness. It's not covetousness to say, I mean, I, I was on a platform, and it was, they, someone wrote something on that platform. And it was really also very instructive for me that in the last two years, if we put the amount of money Nigerians have paid as school fees, and that money is in our economy, that this nation can't be the way it is, and it's properly managed, it's in excess of billions of dollars that Nigerians pay as school fees in nations that define themselves. An average relocation plan in Nigeria is between, or school fees, not the relocation plan, but school fees is between 8 and 15 million naira. Just multiply that over hundreds or thousands of people who are going every month. Said the Lord, 1 Samuel 16:1, the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him. Um, that's not what I'm looking for. That's not what I'm looking for. Can we read verses 11 and to 13? Talking about this, David. And then he said to Jesse, I hold your sons here. Jesse said, there is yet the youngest. He's tending the sheep. So he has something doing. And Samuel says to Jesse, send for him, for we will not sit down to eat until he's here. Verse 12. Jesse sent and brought him. David had a healthy, reddish complexion, beautiful eyes, fine looking. The Lord said to Samuel, arise and anoint him. This is he. I believe in my heart that God is separating us for this season. I believe the anointing to do business is coming upon people this season. I believe the anointing to create wealth is coming upon all of us in this season. They arise, anoint him. Verse 13. Verse 13. 
Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So, like I said earlier on, that from that particular divine moment for David, things turned for him. And he began to prosper. So the point that he got to that point where he was able to give equivalent of $6 billion as an offering towards the building of the house of the Lord. So Solomon, when he came, was more prosperous than his dad. There was generational blessing. There was. There was. First King 137 talks about that. First King 137. He said, and the Lord has been with my Lord the King, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. That was a, a, a prayer. That was an expression of a wish. And we know that it came to pass. So the Lord knows how dependent you and I can be on money. Can I have an amen tonight? The Lord knows it. The Lord knows it. You said, how do I know that? Psalm 103 verse 14 says it. He knows our frame. So the Lord knows that we can become fearful when it comes to the subject of money matters. The Lord knows that when we don't have money, some of us, we have a degree of anxiety. I mean, it happened. It happened. I used to have a friend, because I don't see him anymore. When he's sleeping, there must be money in his pocket. So we asked him one day, why do you all like to keep money in your pocket? He said, he said if I don't have money, I just feel that my whole life is coming to an end. So the Lord knows your frame. He knows you. He knows your concerns. And that's why the Bible is so clear about what do you and I, what do we know, what do we have to do, is learning. That's where the trust and confidence is. First Peter 5, 7, he said, casting all of your cares. If you read Amplified Classic Translation, First Peter 5, 7, it's very instructive. He said, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13. And I think tonight, it's like this thing is like a hidden treasure. I mean, we must bask in this confidence. Men who are evil, ordinarily, they know how to give good gifts. Gifts that are to the advantage to their kids. He said, how much more? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, when the Holy Spirit is actively at work in you and I, he teaches us to profit. He instructs us in the way that we will go. So, the greatest wealth that we need that God, because God has made all things, we are just his co-creator, we are just re-annessing what he has made, is the gift of the Holy Spirit which he has given us in the new birth. It means 
He has prepared all things are ours. When the Bible says all things are ours in Christ Jesus, this is what it means. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit and we are to profit with it. God does not diminish us. He increases us. He increases us to his own advantage. He delights when he sends his sons and daughters when they prosper. When they prosper. I mean, we were, we were talking in the office a little bit earlier. Even one of the things that have been preached that hasn't helped matters is, uh, I'm not saying that the lifestyle of the people in the pulpit, they should live ostentiously. But I'm saying that the mindset should not be that when a pastor is poor, it keeps him humble. And you know how the measure humility is the, 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 our piety is how you are suffering as a minister of the gospel. Whatever is, you see, let me say something to you tonight, and it's part of the things I want to teach. You know, in the Old Testament, priests are not supposed to walk. Or rather, they didn't walk. What does the Lord say to them? He said, they are his own portion. In other words, we should do our work very well. Pray, study the world, come and be a blessing to God's people. Can I have an amen? And the way God did it in Old Testament is that when people now take that blessing, that favor, they go into the field and they are prosperous. They should also remember to bring back to their priest. He said, he's their portion, but he will use his own people to take care of them. Can I have an amen? These are things that we didn't, we probably take to the other extreme. So there is a dichotomy or a struggle between who a priest should be. And the truth is that when you look at the way, because we haven't taught it enough, priests are given the leftovers. I tell you, and I was saying in the office, and I'm going to say it publicly, probably people on the internet will hear me. If mosquito bites me overnight, I can't preach a good message. So poverty is not of God. I can't imagine the way I run. I'm not trying to make a case for myself. I mean, she lives with me. She knows when I sleep. So in between the few hours I sleep, mosquitoes should also now deal with me. I'd be sick the next day. And it's not the devil. Praise God. The same way, God doesn't want all of us to struggle. He doesn't. That business in your hand, with God involved in it, it cannot die. And it should not die. We talk about the place of confession. You must confess it. You must speak to it. Because that's the nature of God. He speaks to things. There was chaos in the beginning. God spoke. The same way, you must learn to speak to your family, speak to your business, speak to your career. People are ganging up against you. Don't just sit back and say, the Lord is good. Call Lord their name. I'm, on a, I'm a man and a woman on a mission. Who is he that says and it comes to pass when the Lord commands it not? You want to make, go and make a presentation? The people you are making presentation with, they are speaking from the death of their trust. But your trust is in the living God. So you must speak. 
As I enter into this room, when I make my own presentation, the tongue, the, their tongues will be cleaved to their roof. Nobody will ask me any question. The question they must ask me is that, when are you starting this project? Believers must come to a place of authority that way. Praise God. I said, praise the Lord. So, when we trust him, there is supernatural provision. When we don't put our trust in him, there is struggle. That's the way it is. If we don't trust God, we won't have confidence. If we can't trust God with money, that is sin, we can't trust him with other blessings. Divine health, divine favor that we cannot see. We can't trust him with joy, for him to fill our heart with joy, for him to fill our heart with peace. Because we can't trust him with the similar things we can see. We measure it Naira and Koba in Nigeria, pound sterling in Britain or UK. We measure it dollars, Japanese yen. We, if we, those are the things that make our hearts either palpitate or be stable. Money. So if we can't trust God to be our provider, we can't trust him to be our healer. We can't trust him to be our giver of joy. We can't trust him because those are spiritual virtues that we cannot even see. Praise God. In Luke 6.38, he said, give and it shall be given. If you can't trust him to give, if we are saying giving is because he wants to take from us, I love what Minister Sam said. That's, 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 it shows where our trust is. If we trust in God, we know that he's, he's the one who has even given us whatever we have in the first place. So give and it shall be given to you. It's a command. It's not an exhortation. It's, not, it's, not, it's a command. For in this kingdom, it's a good measure. Press down, shaking together and running over. We there pour into your pouch, which represents your business or your bosom instead of your robe and used as a bag. For the measure you deal out is the measure when you confer benefit of others will be measured back to you. Can I have an amen? Acts 20.35 Acts 20.35 Paul was reminding us. He said, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ that he said, it is more blessed to give. So, we don't even give because we want, I know that that's one of the error from the pulpit. They said, sow $10 so that you can reap $100. It's an error. We are giving one because we love God. Secondly, because we want to see his kingdom promoted on planet Earth. And then, thirdly, because our heart delights in him. That's why we give. That's why we give. Your heart, you give because you love him. So whether I am propped or prepped to give or not, I give because I know that is my source, my very source. Whether I have adequately or not at this moment, the ones that I even have is the source of it. Can I have an amen tonight? Amen. I need that response from you. So, you know, tonight, there is freedom when we learn to turn over our finances to God. There is freedom. Whether you have it now or you're going to have it the next time in the evening, there's just freedom. That, that's why Paul was able to say, 
I have learned to be contented in whatever state that I find myself. Whether I am abandoned, whether I am in want, I have learned to be contented. The truth is that, like I said, God knows our frame. When some people don't have money, they are angry. So they are anointing toiling into annoyance. No. Let our, our trust, our trust, and you know, personally, this is what I've seen. So you, sometimes you oscillate. You have, sometimes you don't have. But it should not affect your joy. It should not affect your peace. It should not affect your relationship. You know, in not having, but having an act of gratitude, we bring the solution of how the next supply will come. So there is freedom. You know why I know that freedom? Isaiah 48, 17 talks about it. You must recognize him. Is the Lord your God, your Redeemer, the one who teaches you to profit, the one who leads you in the way that you will go. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it talks about it. He said, you must know this grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must. I must. Said for our sake, it became poor that we through that process of lack might become rich. And chapter 9 verse 8 now says, God is able, is able, is able to make this grace abound towards us. Please, even when you don't give, God is still faithful. He does not condemn us. But the reason why he wants us to give is to teach us the best way to demonstrate our love for him is by giving. It's by giving. You know, I meet, I meet quite a whole lot of believers. They say, oh, Pastor Ayo, Pastor this. But they are not ready to commit their money into the work of the gospel. They are always calculating. And is the principle of poverty, is the proverbs around here, a body in hand is better, is better than the two that are in the bush. And so that body in hand, they have suffocated that body. No, God sets us for increase. He has brought us into a worthy place in Christ Jesus. It's not even something that we ask for, but when we position ourselves we will see opportunities. We will. We will. And all this is not sufficient. It's not sufficient. It's just for a season. Our trust and confidence is in the living God. Can I have an amen? amen? And that's the reason why we need to emphasize giving. I'm not afraid because God is our provider. God is our sustainer. And I will, I will tell you till Jesus comes. And we need to learn to put our confidence in that, in him. In him. He never fails. God doesn't do come back after 30 days. No. His benefits to us are new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. You know what Philippians 4.19 says? He said, our God, he's committed to us. He said, he will supply, he will supply every of our needs. Every, every one of our needs. The need for joy, the need for peace, the need for stable family, the need for favor, every of your need. The need for money inclusive, the need for divine help, every of your need. It will fully satisfy every need you have. For we have seen the abundant riches of his glory revealed through his anointed one, Jesus. 
what Jesus, I mean, did for us, it's a complete work to take care of sin, sickness, and poverty. And there is no category of anything that can threaten that position for us. In Christ, we have everything. He said, my God will liberally supply, fill to the full, fill to the full, your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He said, you can be sure, message translation says, that God will take care of everything you need. It's generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. Can I have an amen? In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 7, I want to pick a word there. It said, trust. Trust. Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 7. Trust God. Trust God. Not in riches. Trust God. You know, the word trust is the word reliance. What is the word reliance? It means confident rest for support. You are sitting on a seat here in this service tonight. There is confidence that that seat cannot cave in. If you sit for the next three, four hours, there is confidence because of the shape, because of the sturdiness when you came in and you check it out. So you are confident. Some of us can even sleep. If I stay too long on this message. So trust means reliance. Confidence rests for support. The truth is that we ask ourselves the question, the hidden trial here tonight is that, are we relying on money for support or God for sustenance? There's a difference. Are we relying on money? And you know, you know it's very easy when you meet some people who are rich and they say you are still trying to tell them something. They are not listening. They say, hey, Lodi, how much is it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's okay. Mm-mm. It's not in the money. Because this money thing, it has failed several times. It has failed several times. Example, from the scripture, money failed. People had money, but they couldn't get food to buy. I, can't re- I, I always remember how money failed. I mean, one of the tests, I mean, if I share this, Pastor Sheyi knows about it. About a wealthy family in this city. Their only daughter was sick. And they have done everything to do. And she, she wasn't getting better. So they placed an order for an air ambulance. So doctors was around her and they were helping and all. And the air ambulance landed. Why they were wheeling her on the tarmac, she passed. Money failed. Money failed. There were specialists on that helicopter that or here ambulance that brought that came. So they were they knew they've calculated it, they have the test for the which they have done, they knew how to manage her from here to Germany. The money failed. So our trust, our confidence is in the living God who gives us power to get well and who gives us power to enjoy all the riches. That's the hidden treasure. That's the hidden treasure. And if you look at our natural world, those who are very wealthy, I've mentioned this, they understand this principle. They don't do, there's no English word for this word I want to say. They don't do gra-gra. 
I don't know what English word you want to. Yeah, they don't just do gra-gra. Those who are really wealthy, they know that wealth is a privilege. Wealth is entrusted. If you don't want to be killing any people every day or every month, sacrificing to a God, then they know. They know. And some of them even have made money from what you can call, they are not thinking about a business plan. Praise God. I said praise God. So our confidence is in God. Let me show you an example, a common example. I've had conversation that I want to give, but I can't. I need this money for dash, dash, dash. You can fill in the gap. I want to give. I want to give, but I, I can't. So it's not I don't. I can't. Because why? I need this money. For, and you can, you can trust me, trust God too. It may not even be something. Somebody needs 15000 hmm? for school fees. Maybe not in Lagos. For 15000 for school fees. And somebody is trying to put 500000 together, but he has to 50000 Do you understand what I've just said as an example? So you can fill in the gap. I want to give, but I can't. I've had people say to me, instead of enriching pastors, I would rather spend my money for casino. Believers, though. In the first place, can you see where their priority is? Casino. Quick way to riches. So tonight, as I begin to run this off, number one, we must learn to turn over our finances to God. We must learn. There are cares around the subject of finances or wealth. But we must learn to turn over those cares, over our finances generally. Number two, we must trust God to provide for our needs as our source. That's number two. Trust him. Have a confidence rest for that support. Trust him. Number three, we must give him room for more in our lives. You must give him room for more. Give him room for more. You know, a lot of the time, people uh, quote Proverbs 30. You know, where Solomon was just conversing. He said, give me food that is convenient for me. He said, don't let me be poor so that I don't steal. Uh, he said, just, you know, and people have taken that. It was towards the end of the age of Solomon. He has seen everything. So he's not asking that God should not prosper him. He has seen everything. He's just giving an advice. That in this life, we must put priority where it matters. So he taught, if you read Ecclesiastes and all that, you know that he said about time, about pleasure, about it. But he was now saying that, hey, I would rather have money that is convenient. He said, don't let me be poor. Lisa is still. Don't give me too much money. Lisa, my heart depart from you. And some people are taking it and bring it as a doctrine that, God doesn't want us to prosper. Or God want, doesn't want us to be wealthy. No. No. Give him room for more. Give him room. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. 
so that you can become a blessing. That's the room for more. Number four, we must learn to keep mammon in our place. I use the word feminine for her because she hides under many things. Lost of the eyes, lost of the flesh, the pride of life. So we must keep mammon in our place. And number five, we must allow ourselves to be entrusted with true riches. We must allow ourselves. And it takes consistency. It takes diligence. It takes our heart being fixing on him. We must allow ourselves to be entrusted with true riches. One of the things that we are grappling with in the church today is this, we have substituted gold for brass. I don't know if you understand what I've said. If you put gold and brass like this, wherever you are looking at, they are the same. Color the same, but the difference is when you look closely, that's where you begin to know the difference. Or they are subjected through fire, that's where you know the difference. Can I have an amen? In closing, Jesus made a statement, and I want to remind us, Mark 10, 27, said it is impossible for anyone who trusts in these natural riches. Eh? He said it will take like a camel hmm? passing through, through the high of the needle. So I dug into church history. Is there anything called the high of the needle? It's an expression used in the Jewish culture. But I found out that there is nothing actually. But what was said that in that culture, an entrance into every city has a large gate. But in the evening, for the purpose of security, they always leave the smaller gate open. There's a certain time that you can't come in with all your goods. So they said that in that culture, if you put your goods on a camel, you know it will extend like that. So the camel cannot actually pass through that smaller gate unless you offload. And if you've been traveling for days, you can't be offloading while people are passing. So it was devised to say that certain things that are not possible with men, that statement is possible with God. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? And where I also read it, they said they, they, they went to Jerusalem on a tour. So they asked the tourist guide, take us to where that gate, where... They are the gates that Jesus mentioned. And they said that the tourists in Jerusalem has been trained. Nobody will take you to that gate because in the first place, that gate does not exist. In other words, what are we saying? Biblically, we must shed off weight. How do we shed off weight? Our confidence, our trust is in the living God. Men don't believe that God can prosper you and I. So men devise their own mentors. So Jesus said, with men, this kind of kingdom wealth is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says God, thought of peace and not evil, 
He said, it taught to prosper you and not to harm you. And NIV said, he said, it taught to give you a hope and a future. Plans for good and not for disaster. So God has a plan. And this plan, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, it has not entered into the heart of any man. The things God has prepared for those who love him. The message tonight, the hidden treasure, is simply, God is our source. His favor, his mercy, his grace is upon our life to make strength for living. He has given us power to get well. And this power is upon us, just like he anointed Cyrus. He has anointed us to make kingdom well. And I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a lovely day. This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Christian Outreach Center. The Lighthouse, House 7, Plot 2, Slash 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. For inquiries, please log on to www.lighthousenge.org for more.